Today's guest is my friend, Ta Witte. Now, I first met Ta at a functional medicine conference, and he pretty much was touted as the guy who was gonna give the best hugs. And let me tell you, he's a master intimacy and integration coach, and he holds that title for a reason. Wow. He's known for his work in shame and shadow navigation. Now, he's been a registered nurse for over 30 years, and 23 of those were in the ER in New York City. So trauma and drama navigation are really his zones of genius. He's a co-founder of Biointegration Solutions and a co-creator of the Condor Approach, a certification for psychedelic-informed integration coaches. I really enjoyed this conversation with Todd. It was very illuminating. He really reframed my thinking on several things and took away some of my own shame around my parenting struggles. I hope you enjoy. The thing with teens that can be challenging is they, you know, the way the world is right now, we have 65 apps open on the phone, we got 96 tabs open on the laptop, we want things right now, 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 now. It's, can you slow down? Can you slow down with me? Can we actually lean into the discomforts of stuff? Are you interested in being different? Are you interested in this? And I find when my grandson is in a space of sovereignty, he's more apt to lean into things with me when it's me telling him what, when it's his parents telling him what to do he's very very resistant because he's a teen that's looking for independence and if i take his independence away by telling him what he has to do and what he can and can't do there's no choice and so i, I always remember with my daughter the, the the thing that snapped into place for me and her was when i stopped telling her what to do and i started to be a guide and i started to ask her what her her situation was and explain my boundaries. Look, um, you know, you can be sovereign, you can do whatever you want. As long as you live in my house, these are the rules. Uh, these are the things that I need done for my safety. And I'm down for your safety and I'm down to hear whatever goes on with you. And everything is up for discussion. You are welcome here, all of you. And since all of you is welcome here, I don't care how uncomfortable, whatever the emotion looks like, you can be angry. All I ask is that you don't hit me, you don't put your hands on me and you don't break the stuff in my home. You don't break your stuff or anybody else's things. Matter of fact, you can break your own stuff. Just know that I'm not gonna buy another one. Welcome to the Strong Man Podcast with Dr. Rimka. One mom's quest to support her son through his rites of passage and becoming what I hope is a man of courage, resilience, and compassion in a world seemingly gone mad. Thank you. All right, so we're gonna start. So you guys, this is my friend, Todd Whitty. We met um, years ago uh, at a conference somewhere and how everybody was kind of introduced your aura about you. They're like, oh, Stephanie, have you met him yet? I said, why, who, who he? And I'm like, no, no, you have to let him hug you because he gives the best hugs. You're, I was like, okay, I'm all about, let me, let, let's, let's feel the embrace. And so it was like this whole thing. I'm like, oh, he does do that well. Like, and there's an interesting thing like that actually relates to the concept of the strongman podcast mm. because you actually hug like a strong man and it takes a lot. Some men don't want to hug and don't want to touch and don't want to embrace. And they certainly may not want to do that with women when their wife is standing right next to them. But you that, do. This, this is true. Yeah, I do. And, yeah. you know, th this is a freedom space. And for me, the, the closest that I can be to a person without having a sexual or, or romantic situation is an embrace. 
And for me, an embrace is a shared is a shared circumstance. It's not a one-sided thing. There's a participation in it from both sides. And if one side of, of, of the equation doesn't fit, then the then the hug is incomplete. And so when I when I when I meet people, I often ask, and this is what I've moved into, <clears throat> is asking, uh, would you like to share a hug? Right? Do you share hugs? And it changes the dynamic immediately because it puts the person in a very, very sovereign space to actually consent to it. And so once their body feels safe, they can actually lean in. They can feel my body temperature, our, our breath can synchronize and all of these different things. And so it's a participatory thing. And so the way I move in my life is everything is of uh, radical consent and mutuality. If it's not radical consent and mutuality, then we are not participating together. Somebody is being, somebody may be, uh, there may be an influence from the outside that is holding a person into a, a space. And that is a, a an oppressive dynamic. And so I'm, I'm outside of the interest of oppressing people. I'm, I'm interested in people being in a space because they choose to be there and because they're aware of it. And so when I when I get into a hug with a person, my, my ultimate situation is to project safety to that person. As I project the energetic safety to that person, their body starts to recognize that the feeling of safety immediately. And if they don't, if a, if a person, if I'm, if I like, if I'm like, hey, you, you know, I, I ask people, are you handshaking, high fiving, elbow bumping, hugging? What are you doing, <laughs> right? What is your? How do you like to to introduce yourself? And somebody, if somebody says, I don't hug, I'm like, cool. What do you handshake? And because there's always a consent with that too, I don't just extend my hand. That can be a threat space. And so I'm always interested in welcoming welcoming people into my space. And so hugging for me is a science. It's a thing that I've studied. I've studied the, the concentrations of dopamine and serotonin when people hug and how these things release, if there's a smile added, all of these things are things that I geeked out on years and years ago. And it's something that I used in my nursing practice. I've been a nurse for 30 years. And when I, when I worked in the ER, I would always ask, welcome people to the ER and ask them, hey, you know, welcome to the ER. My name is Tom. The nurse is going to be working with you, um, you know. I know this environment can be a little wonky. My intention is to keep you safe. Does that function for you? And he'll be like, oh God, yes. <laughs> and it would fall into it. And so by the end of the, by the end, the time people were leaving the hospital, they were hugging me, right? It's because they felt so welcome. And so the welcome space is something that I'm into. And um, it, it's when, when people are not welcomed and they're guarded, they're not safe. And for me, my strength, one of the strongest points of my life is being strong enough to actually welcome somebody into my space outside of fear. Okay, There's, that's okay, I know the dogs. I know, mm -hmm. I get little, little beep, 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 beep. Mm -hmm. That happens with mine a lot. <laughs> two, right? Yeah, there's two, Cupcake yeah. and Henry. Oh, God. I mean, see, I was already hungry. <laughs> Cupcake and Henry, yeah. <laughs> So that was so beautiful. Like, I don't even know, like, I want to hug you right now. So that's, and I'm a touch person. So here's the thing. So for a person like me, that's mm -hmm. my love language is touch. I'm like, yes, we can share this. Let's share the, the touch, right? The hug. Mm -hmm. And, but the, the key word you said in there, there's a couple of things I want to say. One, I'm going to come back to this question and be like, okay, sure. how did you get like this? Because you do know not all men hold that space. Most men understand the level of one part of my job here is to build safety mm -hmm. and to be so conscious in everything you've done to create safety and mm -hmm. to do it even as a nurse right in, in a hospital again you do you, that environment is often devoid 
of that experience for people, right? right? right. And their most vulnerable time. So I'm curious. Wanna, that's what I want to know. It's like, tell me how this happened so I can reproduce it maybe for my son or parents yeah. listening can do that. But I wanted to say this as an aside, it's an interesting thing that I have the safety issue where I've been exploring, like, you know, I'll be, we're about the same age, I'll be 50 soon, you'll be 51. Mm-hmm. And there's a definite change. Part of it is age, I, I think, for men and women. Women in particular, right? We have this, we have a very different shift in our hormones uh, that happen. And I think though, you know, becoming a mother, by physically being pregnant and giving birth and breastfeeding and doing that whole process creates tremendous physical change. And I've realized more, I'm not the same person at all from before. I would describe it pre-baby, like my life, well, that was pre-baby, you know, pre-baby life, post-baby life. They're not the same. And I had to even go through a process and it was very short for me of grieving kind of the death of pre-baby, you know, unattached, no children, Stephanie. Right. She had all kinds of choice and she could do all kinds of things. I could go to, she could go to Starbucks, Barnes and Noble, do anything, shop when she wanted to do it. You do anything you want pretty much whenever you feel like it. Right. That changes radically. And I saw a lot of people struggling with that and going into depression over it and like fighting and trying to stay the same. I'm like, no, it's a transformation. It's a beautiful, I saw it as I really, really burst into a butterfly, you know? And now it's like some other kind of, I don't know, elder wise angelic diamond encrusted butterfly I'm becoming or something, you know, like it's some kind of goddess butterfly that happens. Oh, I'm a whole nother being. And it's like really cool. You know, like the little bit of gray is like, Oh, honey, that's, that's platinum magic, you know? And I could think a different way about it, but I think about it this way. And it's a very, very interesting feeling where I have a different type of strength coupled with a very different type of tenderness and softness which has allowed me to admit really for the first time, wow, I'm actually scared a lot. Like I live in, I, and it turns out all the women I know, we're pretty much scared all the time. Mm-hmm. We're actually scared pretty much all the time. And we have to fake it and lie about it and cover it up and not let anybody know. And we're supposed to look like ballers now. And I don't know, it's a very confusing space sometimes. But when we get quiet and just can be with somebody who actually is strong and makes you feel safe and you can like let it down, it's an incredible feeling. Yeah. So just let my kind of take my my armor off because somebody else is wearing it. Yeah. And I never allowed myself to admit that. And I think it's it's helping me be a better mother to a young boy who's really a young man now. When I started this, he was 12. I'm like, he's 17. Like it's a whole nother game to parent mm-hmm. this yeah. man child, right? Space. So there's something to be said about like the level of safety that mothers w- want to provide and offer. And like why yeah. that's so important to us because we, in many ways, often feel very unsafe. Um, yeah. Your kids are out there vulnerable. Like literally, I feel like somebody took my organs out of me. My heart is walking around and anybody can just hurt it. And if you touch that, you hurt that, you're going to kill me. That's what it feels like. You know, um, yeah. so anyway, there's a lot I just kind of said, and you can respond to that, but I want to know how sure. you got like this. Sure. I That's want more question. men like you walking around. Ah. 
Yeah. Well, th thank you. And, you know, thank you for sharing so openly about all of that. Safety is my number one priority with everything that I do, everything in my life. And I would love for your son to be in that space. I don't want your son to go through what I went through to get to this space. And so most men and most human beings, and you said most women are in the space where they don't feel safe all the time. And this is something that comes to the, the surprise and chagrin of a lot of people. <laughs> most men are not safe. And so I can only teach someone to be as safe as I know how to be. And I can only keep someone as safe as I am. I can't keep somebody safer than I can keep myself. And so growing up in a space where I was safe, all unsafe all the time, I was completely unsafe. I wasn't safe in my ideas of myself. I wasn't safe in my identity. I wasn't safe in my sexuality. I wasn't safe in my thoughts. I wasn't safe in my physical body. There was a lot of physical violence around me all the time. There was physical. I grew up in, in the 80s in New York. Crack was, in, was, was happening in New York. Before that, it was the gang wars, all of these different things. And so I was unsafe at school. I was unsafe. I, I, I was afraid that my mother would find out anything that would be outside of her grace. So I was scared of my mother. I was scared of my father. I was scared of everything. I didn't tell anybody and I had to have this exterior look that I was safe. And so I've, I was taught that, you know, ha having an expression of my feelings, crying, anything that came through me was not the way it was supposed to be. So I didn't even trust myself. And so in getting to this space, I had to actually learn to trust me and learn to be me. And so it took me a little bit of expressing and spilling myself out to a bunch of people at once and seeing who were the people who could actually synchronize with that and hold the space for me. And the people that could actually hold the space for me were the people that were, were my lifetime friends, my lifetime deep, close family members and so on. And those are the, that's the way I learned to actually expand that. That vulnerability and the strength to actually be myself all the time those are the people that allowed me to be safe. Those are the people that I learned that would always, I always wanted to be touched and to touch. I'm a, I'm, that is my love language. Physical touch is my love language. If you want to get proximal to me, the touch, you know, a welcome touch with me is, that's the way in for everything. I don't give, I don't care what, what, uh, what gender you are, what race you are. <clears throat> Gotta drink some more water, I'm a little phlegmy today. I don't care what gender you are, what race you are, what language you speak, but I don't care about any of that stuff. What I care about is that we can be ourselves with one another. And when we can be that those that self with one another, and we can be in a space of proximity where I can express to you whatever's going on with me, the physical touch will always be welcome because that's my family, that's where I feel home. And that's what I felt like when I was a kid, when I was a baby, I can remember like, like around the age of three is where I started to feel unsafe around my mother. And that's where things started to get wonky. I have a very, very sharp, keen memory of a lot of things when I was a child. And I remember this separation space and where I started to actually really, really feel scared because I didn't feel the embrace from my mother. And I was around when my sister was born and all the focus went to my little sister. And my, my mother was always focused on my brother with me. And she went right from my focus from that focus to my sister. And I never felt safe around my mother. I never felt like I was embraced, like I was appreciated, like I was loved uh, fully. There was always a blockade there. And so throughout my entire life, I went through these phases where I had people that I could, that I felt like I could be myself with, and then I would block them from actually seeing me because 
everybody else that didn't that wasn't really my clan or my people or whatever they did they told me that wasn't the right thing and my, my i always saw those as the authority people as the alpha people as the leaders of whatever and so when i stopped following the people who were the lead and i started following me that's when the strength came through to actually be in my full expression now, if you met me 10 years ago like i have this loud shirt on right now right there's all these different colors and if you would have met me 10 years ago you would have seen me wearing grays muted colors deep blues, um, big baggy clothes, you couldn't see the shape of my body, all of this stuff to hide myself. And as I started to become more expressive, the people that could actually synchronize with that started to come into my into my space. And I felt safe, my body actually felt like it could relax and I could fall into these people. And so when I started to see that the people who had to have things the way they wanted it, they were unsafe all the time. I would all I would start to open up and ask them, well, you know, what would make you feel safe to to you know for me to just be myself? And they would be like, well, who you are isn't safe with me because those colors mean this and this means that and this and that that wasn't my people. And I would always say to them, hey, well, you know what? If you should ever welcome this, you're welcome with me. And even if you don't welcome it, I, I still accept you for who you are. It's just not the place for me to hang. And they would they would actually soften in that space. They would be like, well, why do you wear that? And they would ask me questions and it would open up vulnerability. And so I started to learn how to create intimacy with people in short periods of time. And I actually did a talk on this at, uh, at the Tantra Festival in Mexico in 2020. I did something, I, wrote, I created something called the Roadmap to Intimacy. And intimacy, intimacy starts off with acceptance, with tolerance, physical tolerance, to be able to physically tolerate myself in the space where where I am, then accept myself. Tolerance moves to acceptance. I can actually say, okay, here I am. I may be uncomfortable. I may be comfortable. These are the circumstances and situations. Am I safe? Is there an immediate threat to who I am, to my body, to my idea structures and all of these things? Once I have that safety space, I can open up to vulnerability and actually see if people will accept me for what I'm speaking about and how I express. And I have a there's a vulnerability out there's a vulnerability in. So can I let other people in? Do I accept people for where they are? And when we have the, the acceptance, go, the, the, the vulnerability going in two different directions, that's where we have connection. And then that connection gets deeper and intricate. And that's where we have intimacy. So it's tolerance, acceptance, safety, vulnerability, connection, intimacy. And that's the roadmap to intimacy. And so when I learn how to do that, in my in my earlier years, I started to really make myself have a space of safe connection with people. And I knew how to navigate that by using that roadmap. And so I put that roadmap together and I do it in talks now. <laughs> so it's fantastic. But that's that's kind of where things snapped into place for me was when I, it was probably around I mean, how uh, old were you when when you like, when when I when I finally when I finally started saying I was probably around 40. 30, wow. somewhere between 35 and 40, where I really started to learn that I was completely unsafe. I was unsafe. I was unsafe with everybody. And the thing is, as a child, right, we get into positions where we're unsafe and we can anchor what people look like, what their gender is, what their tone of voice is with unsafety. And so my brother was a very unsafe space for me as a child. He, he, there was a lot of physical hitting and threatening and threatening to kill me and stuff like that. Um, you know, he had his issues when we were kids and you know, all that's been resolved. And every male that I came across reminded me of my brother. And so I was always unsafe around males. And my mother didn't keep me safe from my brother 
So she represented unsafety. So every female that came around that represented my mother, I was unsafe around women. So I was unsafe around everybody because these two were like these, these foundational people that mimicked, that everybody mimicked that I was afraid of. And so I had to unravel that. And so when I was around, when I was around 35, I started to see the patterns in it and I didn't know how to get out of it. When I got into my early 40s, I explored psychedelics and that actually helped to dismantle a lot of the, the old programming that was going on in my brain. And I actually got to actively create a new dynamic within myself where I was welcoming all people outside of the old dynamics that I had programmed into my system. Right. So, and I know, and like, so here, over here, as a mother, mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, it's fuzzy. the cl clinician in me wants to think one thing and can say one thing. And then the mm -hmm. mom of the teenage boy has a totally different response. Like, yeah. I don't want my son to, I don't, I don't, that's awesome. Cause I love the things too. And ayahuasca, ketamine or mushroom, whatever, that, but I don't want, I don't want my son to do that actually. <laughs> you know what I mean? The yeah. mother is very different. I don't care what I know about what it does, BDNF and the brain and all the kind of things. I'm like, no, he's too young right now. So yeah. how do we, how, how can we go back in time? And I really kind of hate this question where people say, what would you say to yourself at 15? Or what would you say if you were 20? But in a way, I'm kind of like, wow, Tao, what, what could you, what would you think to say? Or so let's say you saw your 17 year old self going through this. What do you, was there anything anybody could have said to you or done for you at that time to help, like you said, to circumvent some of this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the thing is, I have a, I have a 13 year old grandson. My daughter is 31. She'll be 32 on the 27th of this month, six days. And I have a, I have a 13 year old grandson and a lot of what the, the stuff that I've navigated with him is the stuff that I would tell to my younger self. Okay. And this was you're welcome here. You are welcome here. And I invite you to ask people when you speak to them, am I welcome here? Do you welcome all of me? And he didn't understand it at first. And he started to actually lean into it. You know, are you okay with who I am? And asking his friends. And if his friends told him no, he'd ask, well, why not? What, what's stopping you from being in that space? And then slow down. There's a slowdown period. And the thing, the thing with teens that can be challenging is they, you know, the way the world is right now, we have 65 apps open on the phone. We got 96 tabs open on the laptop. We want things right now, 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 now. It's, can you slow down? Can you slow down with me? Can we actually lean into the discomforts of stuff? Are you interested in being different? Are you interested in this? And I find when my grandson is in a space of sovereignty, he's more apt to lean into things with me. When it's me telling him, what, when it's his parents telling him what to do, he's very, very resistant because he's a teen that's looking for independence. And if I take his independence away by telling him what he has to do and what he can and can't do, there's no choice. And so I, I always remember with my daughter, the, the, the thing that snapped into place for me and her was when I stopped telling her what to do and I started to be a guide and I started to ask her what her, situation was and explain my boundaries look um you know you can be sovereign you can do whatever you want as long as you live in my house these are the rules uh, these are the things that i need done for my safety and i'm down for your safety and i'm down to hear whatever goes on with you and everything is up for discussion you are welcome here all of you and since all of you is welcome here i don't care how uncomfortable 
whatever the emotion looks like. You can be angry. All I ask is that you don't hit me. You don't put your hands on me and you don't break the stuff in my home. You don't break your stuff or anybody else's things. Matter of fact, you can break your own stuff. Just know that I'm not going to buy another one. And so when I get into this space with, with my grandson and my daughter, it's really about sovereignty and you being sovereign in that space. And, and do you see the results of what's going on with you? Do you see the consequences with sequence and, and, and explaining to him consequence, right? Not meaning a punishment, but with sequence. This is a sequence of actions, right? You have something that happens and then something else that happens and something else that happens. And how far down the road do you believe you can see the consequence? You may not be able to see 10, you might be able to see a mile away, but can you see 10 miles away? Can you see 30 miles away? No, right? You have to keep walking until you get there to actually see the sequence of what's going on. So I'm inviting you to slow down and be able to be in the moment of now and watch the sequence unravel. And that requires you to slow down. Can you do that? And so when, when I talk when I talk to my, my grandson, it, it's, a, it's a slow down thing. Hmm. It's always a slow down thing. It's always, what do you need? What do you want to do? And it's a lot of, uh, at first, whenever we get together, it's like, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And then it's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, uneasiness and stuff and he wants to move around and stuff. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's go for a walk. And if he doesn't want to talk, when we, when we, I'm cool with being there and not talking. Are you cool with us being together and not talking? He'll be like, yeah. And eventually he'll say something and I'll ask about it and I'll inquire and I'll lean into it. And there's a, there's a lean in that I do that takes time. And I, as a parent or a grandparent, I can't rush this other person's process. It's not my process. And so if I, and that's, that's another thing uh, that I would also advise myself to do in the future, in the past, <laughs> I'd advise myself to not make somebody else's process is mine, right? Because my mother was always, and she still does it. She still makes my process her business and it's not, it's my business and my daughter's process is her business. And so I can be curious about it, but it's not my process. I can be curious about it if it, if it has to look the way I want it to look, then it's going to be an issue. And so let go of other people's processes would be another thing that I would tell uh, my younger self. I love this. I, like, I'm already like, okay, I'm going to rewind this. I'm going to listen to that. Like, no, because uh -huh. I need to have that conversation. I need, it's really nice. And here's what I think. I'm like, wow, I used to do that when he was younger. It's really mm -hmm. interesting. The teen years create a different dynamic that uh, it's a little bit harder to navigate. Um, that's just the truth of it. I think I was really good at what you just did this and this thing because I get, so, I was so used to, well, he just does what I say a lot of it, right? And now I'm like, well, I can't really make you do anything, honey, but this is the way I would maybe suggest or whatever. But I love that the sequence and see the consequences because that actually, he would really understand very mm -hmm. easily. Mm -hmm. And it makes logical sense. My son is very, very mental. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the word con, C-O-N, con, with, right? Like in Spanish, con, with, sequence, with, sequence. It's the sequence. You're following the sequence. And can you see the sequence far ahead? No, you can't. So you still have to ride up to a certain point and then reevaluate. Or are you going to, you know, this is why I, one of the things I, I tell my daughter all the time is that you can keep looking to the future all you want. It's never going to be the way you project it to be. Right. It may look, it may look something like it, but it's never going to be the same. And so this is, this is the thing is to let go of the attachment of outcome and let go of all of these different things. And this is one of the challenges I believe as parents is 
most parents want to see their kid successful as to their metrics of what success is. And you still have not asked your child, what is success to you? And if your child is looking to please you with your idea of success, they won't tell you what success is to them. If they want to be the most successful gamer in the world, you say, no, but you have to go to college and do this first in order to do that. You're actually clipping their wings. And that's a cha- that's a challenging space for parents, especially, especially, you know, especially for, from my vantage point as a Gen X person, I was raised, you know, to, to honor my, my father and my mother who didn't know how to honor themselves. And I learned it from them. <laughs> so I learned how to not honor myself on behalf of my parents. And so that's that was a very, very challenging space for me. Yeah. Really challenging space. Today's episode is brought to you by my favorite skincare line that now just brought the men's line. So yes, handsome, you can become handsomer. Check out pomifera.com forward slash Rimka. That's P-O-M-I-F-E-R-A dot com forward slash Rimka, R-I-M-K-A. And get the holiday collections, beautiful gift sets, as well as help the men in your life be a little prettier. So this question, I think, might lead, I don't know, might lead where I think it's going to lead. But mm-hmm. so it might not be what you would want to say to your mother, but maybe it's to mothers, mother and fathers out there right now, right? Because maybe going back to her isn't as important, but like, and it, it kind of might tie into I don't know, I have a feeling I've what you might say. What what do you think is important for parents then so they can be better at what they're doing? So they can slow down and be present and ask those questions. Yeah. So firstly, I invite parents to not look to be better because better is this striving thing that is actually a component of shame, right? If I am not good enough, I have to be better. What if you wanted to be a different parent, different than you've been? Maybe you've been very astringent. Maybe you've been like your parents. Maybe you've been a little hard on your children. What could you do to be different? When you when you use different with yourself, you kind of let yourself off of this strenuous weight. Um, language linguistics are very, very important to me. And when whenever I work with somebody in a space, and I do a lot of coaching, whenever I work with somebody in a space, and I'm like, well, what if you didn't have to be better? Well, yeah, I have to be better because I'm not good enough, right? And that that and they're translating that into their children. What if you could just be a different parent? What if you could just do things differently? Oh, that'd be a lot easier. Oh, just that's the that's the number one thing I always invite parents to do is to start being different instead of being better. How could I do this differently? How could I move on a horizontal plane instead of having to move straight up vertically into better? How could I change that into a different spectrum? That's the number one thing for me that 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 when I was changing my parenting style is like, what could I, how do I get better? How do, and I found more and more shame, more and more shame. And as I told my daughter, I want to be a better father. I was just imparting on her that since she was my, since she's my child and I'm not good enough that I probably raised her in a fashion that's not good enough that she's probably going to raise her kids in a fashion that's not good enough that has to be constantly better. And so it's always different. What could you do differently? That lets people off of the, off of the, 
the slave mountain climb. <laughs> like it's this terrible incline up Mount Everest. And, and, you know, nothing's wrong with climbing Everest. It's wonderful if that's what you want to do. I'd rather just kind of walk down the street and see something <laughs> yeah. different, right? It's easier for me. And, and for me, life is about ease. I want to be easy. I want my kids to be easy. I want my family to be easy. I want you, Stephanie, to be easy. And so can we make it different? And so that's the first thing that I would, that I would invite parents into is changing your context with yourself. When we are always downloading into our children, always no matter how old we are we're always downloading into our children and if we download the shame sequences that we have into our children there they may perpetuate that if they don't catch it right if they don't have the awareness to catch it and there are five components to shame that i invite all parents into looking into wrong bad broken not enough and too much right anytime i say um, that you're not enough shame you're wrong, shame. You're broken, shame. You're bad, shame. You're not enough, right? Wrong, bad, broken, not enough, too much. Right? I th think I said not enough twice. Too much, right? Wrong, bad, broken, not enough, too much. And if you're too much, there's something wrong with you because you're too much to handle. You're too loud. You're too something. And so, hey, listen, um, your voice is really, really full in the room right now. Could we do things differently for a little while because I want to get some work done? instead of you're too loud, right? And so all of these things are, are things that I look at with myself. Do I see myself as wrong, bad, broken, not enough, or too much? Am I projecting that into myself? Am I showing this to my children? Am I saying I need to be a better parent? Because if I need to be a better parent, there's something wrong with my parenting. There's something that's not enough about my parenting. There's nothing that's not enough about your parenting. Can you parent differently if it's not effective? And so there's there are things that I look into as far as parenthood, as far as relationships in, in business, as far as my interpersonal relationship with my wife is, can I be different? Is this functional for what I want? Or is it dysfunctional for what I want? Function and dysfunction are always there, no matter how you look at things. If, if something is functional for winning, it's also functional for somebody else losing, <laughs> right? And so what is what do we want our world to function like? You know, do we want to function for oppression and slavery? Do we want to function for, for freedom and sovereignty? We can, we can create functions of all of these things. But I guarantee you, when something is functional for one thing, it's dysfunctional for something else. And this is when we look at the power structures in our world and we look at the oppressive dynamics of government and stuff. And, uh, and we see that certain people are being oppressed by the government. Well, what does that serve? How does that serve us? It doesn't serve us. It serves the small people that are getting served. So it is functional for that. And so when we remove the judgment from functional and dysfunctional, and we look at it as, do I want function like this? And do I want function like that? We can change our function. And so that's another space that I invite parents into <clears throat> is looking into the idea of function and contrast to dysfunction and applying that, removing the shame dynamics of this is good. This is bad. The government is broken. The government's not broken. The government is far from broken. The government is working just the way it's been designed to work. <laughs> it's been designed for oppressive dynamics and deserve very few people. And this is how a lot of households are designed, right? We have, we have the patriarchal systems in family situations that are designed to, to operate in certain ways that are not functional for freedom and, and, and congruence in all people in households. And so, 
do we want our households to function like this? We can function differently. Do we want our interpersonal relationships to function the way they want, the way they are? Do we want them to function differently? They're not broken. They're designed the way they're designed. And so, if we see a flaw in the design as far as functionality, we change the we change the design. We don't keep telling the design it's bad. We don't keep pointing the finger and saying it's broken. And this is the this the semantic that goes on with our kids. My kid's not getting good grades. No, your kid's not getting bad grades. No, your kid's getting grades that are not functional for going to college. So do you want, does your kid want to go to college? Do, do you know, how do we change the dynamic differently? And how do we support this person in a different fashion? And when we remove the dynamic of shame, you don't have to climb that mountain. So. Okay, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm like, okay, I'm like, oh, so I have seen you on stage talking. I'm like, oh, I feel like, but you're not doing all the rhyming you normally do. <laughs> you do all, the, all these things when they rhyme and uh, go together. Like, I need him to make me t-shirts. But <laughs> that's so good. I'm like, I don't know what to say anymore. I'm like, I need to go meditate on all of this. Um, and I love it because it's so perfect. I'm like, oh my god, different. It's so easy. It is so mm -hmm. easy. And, and what's so easy about it too, not only for the adult, it's easy for children to hear that. Like it's a very easy conversation. Like, you know, oh, you can just do it differently. Is that working for you? And you, you want to, this is working, it's functioning for you. That's great. And they usually say, no, I actually don't like that mom that, that I do this or that I can't do that. And you're like, okay, well, it, you know, it, it really does put them in the driver's seat to say, yeah. Do it differently, and it doesn't, you know. And you can like, ask them. It works what, for me. I had brothers what, that were like, "I'm fine with a C." They're like, yeah, "Okay, well, then." Be yeah. Fine. What would you? Yeah. What would you? Do you want to do differently? What would you like to do differently? And kids are creative. They will come up with a million different. Well, I could do this, and I could do this, and when they get into the I don't know space there's something is in the way and maybe right. they've been challenged with who they are or their abilities maybe somebody told them they were stupid and so they get into the space of i don't know because maybe their ideas have been told that they were invalid yeah and then that shows that a part of them is not welcome if you're ever that's ridiculous stop that don't say that that's ridiculous that is putting somebody in the space to question themselves and our children are always taught to question themselves i don't want my child questioning themselves and i don't want to question them i've been questioned over and over again Right question. Now, I'm, I'm not saying you can't ask somebody, hey, what do you, you know, what does that mean to you? It's like if, when it's like, hey, that's stupid. That's ridiculous. Why would you do something like that? The finger wag stuff. That's shame dynamics. And that stops a person from actually seeing themselves in full. Yeah, I love that. So let me say, like, how do we. Oh, I hate to simplify it down, right? Because I know you do such complex, right? You coach people, you you write books, you uh, write, you've written books even too, haven't you? Yeah, I wrote a book yeah. on insomnia called The yeah. Lumis Dark Alleys. I'm so actually you know, writing a book now. You, you, you do transformational psychedelic integration coaching. I mean, you do a lot of things, right? So mm -hmm. anybody, you know, I know he can be hired for things. So <laughs> information's in the bio and all the stuff. But... <laughs> For somebody who can't, let's say they're not going to do all that, right? Mm -hmm. What are, are there any like starter steps? You're like, okay, one, two, three. I would start here. Like here, like I remember I went to a certain conference at several conferences, Josh X, right? Mm -hmm. Training me. And the first thing says, actually, Stephanie, don't sign up for this program. The first thing I need you to go home and do every day, you have to get clear on what you want and you need to visualize. Mm -hmm. That was... I don't know, eight, nine, 10 years, a long time ago. 
Mm-hmm. And I dabbled in visual. I meditate, but I wasn't visualizing. And yeah. he said, he said it to me like two, three times. And somebody else has said, okay, these guys have been really clear. They're like, the number one thing you need to do is visualize. And then everything will start to come together. And then you can come to this, this choice. If you want to give us ten, twenty thousand dollars to coach you, we actually, you're not ready because so for me, that was an access point for me. So yeah. I used visualization, uh, meditation and visualization. And I used a lot of group courses. I like experiential work. I signed up for all kinds of, from Tony Robbins to Landmark Forum, to, you know, there's a whole, everything, let me do something like that. Yeah. And the group experience really helped me um, explode. I needed that, right? Yeah. I found my tribe and my clan in some of these, in those places. So there's there something like for you, like you say, okay, how does, you know, you went through a lot of tolerance and acceptance on the intimacy. Okay. What's a baby step for somebody who, may yeah. not even, I don't even know what sovereign means. <laughs> that sure. a word this sure. whole time. Yeah. They're listening to like, I, I, sovereignty <laughs> doesn't even make any sense to me. Right? So I get asked, I get asked this a bunch. And the, the, the thing that I would recommend somebody does to start off is get a book or a piece of paper or open up your laptop and open a notes thing and write in your own handwriting. And I want you to ask this question to yourself every day without using your name, without your career, without your labels as a family member or brother, sister, mother, father, husband, wife, any of that stuff. Answer this question. Who am I right now, every day? Who am I? And, and, and right in the moment, if you're the person that gets up angry out of bed, who doesn't want to go to work, I'm the person who doesn't want to go to work right now, right? And get up. I'm the person that got to pee, but I don't want to get out of bed because it's cold, right? Who are you right now, every day, so you can actually see who you are? That's the first question. The second question, what is my unconscious commitment? What have I been committing to that is keeping me from doing the things and being who I want to be every day? Right? What is my unconscious commitment? And just write it down every day. What is my unconscious commitment right now? Am I unconsciously committing to this? Am I unconsciously committing to that? The third question, what is my new conscious commitment? What is my commitment that I'm aware of that I've been getting in the way of? What do I want to commit to right now for the rest of the day today? What are three things that I'm going to do to love on myself today? That's it. Three things that I'm going to do today that I love on myself and see if you can do it for the whole day. That's it. Who am I? Unconscious commitment, conscious commitment, three things to level myself. If you can do that for two weeks and track yourself and come to me, we can have something to work with. If you don't do it for two weeks, you won't, you won't have very much to work with unless you want to go for a deep dive and start going into some, ling- some linguistic stuff with me. So I, I always invite people into that space. No matter who you are, if you're in a relationship, if you don't know who you are, how can you anticipate being in a relationship with another person who does not know who they are? How can you guide another person? How can you guide your child? How can you guide anybody if you don't know who you are on a day-to-day basis? That is the number one thing that I, that I invite people in. It's been a game changer for people. People, I have people all the time sending me messages. Man, I've been asking myself who I am every day and it changes every day. You are different every day. If you're, if you're going out with your homies, you're one person. If you're with your partner, your romantic partner, you're another person. If you're with your kid, you're parent, right? If you're with two kids, you're a parent to both kids and separately and together. You're all these different things at the same time. And if you don't know how to navigate each one of those spaces for yourself, 
how can you guide another human being to do anything? It's going to be challenging. And so awareness is the step one for anything that I talk about and anything I teach is awareness. Are you aware of yourself? Have you stirred the pot of your own stew? And have you brought these things to the surface? And that one question to lead, who am I? No name, no job, no vocation, no gender, none of that stuff. Who am I? And if you aren't familiar with yourself, it might be time to start doing that. I love that because it's not like, you know, what a lot of mindset training is where sometimes it's future pacing or gratitude for something. It's just what is present moment alpha, very honest. That's it. And really tremendous mindfulness really is going in and uh, what, who are you right now? Uh, I love that. So let's say, so do you suggest people just kind of do that? endlessly you know like if they aren't going to work with you let's say they're, they've started this practice like okay they've listened like hey i'm going to do this thing and i've been doing it for the past eight years okay eight, so maybe nine, they're going to ask how years. long should i do it what is it what's the point or it's awesome for me yeah it's awesome for me because i go back in my journal I actually have a stack of journals that i'm going through right now and i'm looking at where i was years ago mm. i always go back through my journals that's why i journal it's kind of like a log that i keep and if that's the one thing that you journal every day, who am I? You'll see what you've evolved from and into and all of the challenges that you've had in your life, you will see it. And this is a thing that you can't run from. It doesn't take, it takes five minutes to do. If that, yeah. to just write out who you are right now. And your feelings, once you get into the groove with that, your feelings will start to come out. I'm the person who's been frustrated about this relationship, didn't say this to this person, that, oh shit, here's all this stuff. Right. And so once all this stuff comes out and it's on the table, then you have something to deal with. You have something to navigate. People are so future driven with a focus on the past. The present moment of now is being ignored. And it's the only moment that we actually live in right now. And so there I have so many male friends. Right. So many males that are looking to make this money and get this money and get this girl and do this thing and build this, this building and climb this mountain tomorrow. Where are you right now? Oh, well, you know, last week my mother did this to me and last week and yesterday this happened and that and that's what's stopping me. The past is stopping you from tomorrow. Where are you right now? And they can't tell me where they are right now. They're so focused on something outside of the right moment of now. And so when I ask them who they are in this present moment, they have a challenging time telling me. They'll tell me their name. They'll tell me their, their occupation. They'll tell me all these different things and they will not tell me what's going on with them right now. They can't feel into their bodies. And this is an issue with males right now is that they're not feeling in their bodies. They're not feeling present. They don't know what's going on because they've been, they've been crafted into this industrial revolutionized body that's here to build factories and systems and all of this stuff and not be present in their existence. Be present, man. be present in your body, be present with yourself, be present with the women in your life, be present with your friends, be present with your, with your technology, the things that you're doing. Do you know who you are? That's a foundation space. Are right now, not who you will be and not who you are. Stop judging your past and stop pretending that you are your future. Who are you right now? And when you can get into that presence, everything changes. That's where I am. And that's why I hug the way I do. Because when I'm in that moment, right now, Stephanie, you are the most important person in my life. There's nobody else more important than you right now because we're having this conversation. Everybody else is waiting. 
and they can continue to wait until the conversation is done. And the same thing with the people who are listening right now. Y'all are the most important people in my life right now, period. And when we move on to other people, then that, those will be the most important people in the moment. The thing that I'm doing will be the most important thing in my life right now. And we have gone so far into the future and we've been buried so far in the past that we can't be present. And that's what I want men to do right now. I want women to do it. I want all people to do it. That's my desire. It's a very selfish, self-centered situation. I want us all to be present and full in ourselves right now. That's my desire. And that's why I hug the way I do. Because that may be the last hug that that person gets. I don't know. It may be the last one I get. So let's share together and let's really feel into this and know that you are safe and welcome in my arms, period, all times. I mean, on that, we don't like drop, we're going to end it. <laughs> I mean, that's it. I'm going to tell you right now, that's it. I mean, I, I can't stop any of it. <laughs> so why don't you tell the good people how they can find you, follow you, listen to you, and buy all your things? Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I thank really, you. I really appreciate so being beautiful. on the, thank, thank you. you. I appreciate being on the Strongman podcast, you know, right. and, and, and all you talked about was alpha. Really guys, that's alpha is presence. Alpha, the brain state, it's a brain wave, the power of now. So I do brainwave stuff for a living. And so yeah. I'm going to start playing with alpha and the word, everybody thinks alpha one thing. I'm like, yeah. alpha is where it's at. That's where it's at. Presence, love. Mm-hmm. I think it just means leading. It's well, it's both. Mm. You know, so that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah you. tell them where they can find all your things. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you can find me uh, on Instagram, uh, on the socials at Tafri, T A H F R E E. That's my solo account. My account with my wife is Takhole, T A H K O L E. And you can find all the things that we're doing at Takhole.com, T A H K O L E.com. We have amazing work that we do with people with psychedelics. You do not have to do psychedelics to lean into the work and the stuff that we teach. What we're teaching is life skills around being able to coach yourself and being able to be whole and integrated within yourself. The movement that we've created is called Integration is Not Optional. And it is about integration and being whole in oneself. And we're looking, since we have this really amazing opportunity to lean into psychedelics with integration, once it, psychedelics moves into the wellness paradigms all over the planet and the word integration is tagged with it, we can move integration into all the wellness paradigms, into healthcare, into coaching, into school, into all of this. And when one is integrated and one is whole, one does not need to take from anybody else. I don't need to take from you when I'm whole. I can contribute to your life and support you in being whole. And when we're whole together, can you imagine what we can create? So we have a free course at uh, condor.coach. C-O-N-D-O-R dot coach that you can get. Um, we have a free integration guide at freeguide.vip and we'll have all of the links in the everything will be in the description. In, in the yeah. description. And that's it. That's where you can find me. And you can find me anywhere in the, on the planet and be like, hey, would you like to share a hug? And I'll be like, yeah, let's do this. My hugs <laughs> are limitless. <laughs> it's worth, it's worth uh, taking a course and getting a ticket, y'all. And uh... <laughs> You know, his wife gives good ones too. I'm not gonna lie, she shares in good ones. I mean, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we have a, we have an amazing training coming up in Austin, Texas, in February of 2023, and we have an amazing trip to Costa Rica this December of 2022, uh, from the 26th of December through the 2nd of January. So, if you're in a space where you can be without your family, or you just want to get away from your family and, and actually do some expanding, hit me up. Let's talk about it. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. You're a beautiful one. You too. Peace. Yeah.